This is Communio Sanctorum, the history of the Christian Church, Season 2. This is Creeds, Part 11, in which we'll take a look at the Second Council of Nicaea. We've worked our way through six of what are known as the Seven Ecumenical Councils of Church History. We've examined the councils and the creeds that they produced, although after the First Council in 325 at Nicaea, each subsequent council claimed all that it was doing was while refining the verbiage of the Nicene Creed. Each claimed that it was merely an extension of the groundbreaking work of that first August council convened by the Emperor Constantine I. It seems fitting, then, that the last of the seven ecumenical councils should come back to Nicaea, though it's 450 years later. But its work had very little to do with the Nicene Creed. These seven councils are called ecumenical, because they are generally accepted by both the Western Roman Catholic and Eastern Orthodox churches as normative for defining Christian doctrine. The Roman Church then adds additional councils and their creeds as definitive, which the Eastern Church rejects, just as the Eastern Church recognizes its own councils and creeds that Rome ignores. And, of course, the huge Nestorian Church in the East stopped honoring the councils with Ephesus. Before we get to the Seventh Council, we need to talk a bit about a council that was held 12 years after the Third Council of Constantinople that we ended last episode with. In 692, Emperor Justinian II convened yet another council in the eastern capital to finish off some of the work that had been omitted by both the Fifth and Sixth Councils, notably some canons that needed addressing. For that reason, This council is called the Fifth-Sixth Council. But since that sounds silly, let's use Latin so it'll sound more scholarly. And voila, we have the Quinisext Council. It was attended by 215 bishops only from the East. Most of the canon work that was done aimed at settling ritual differences and coming to a standard practice of discipline for clergy in the different regions of the church. Since the council was attended exclusively by Eastern bishops, well, it was Eastern practice that was approved at the expense of those in the West. The council condemned the custom of Armenian churches who used undiluted wine in their communion. They also banned clerical nepotism and the atrocious practice of eating eggs and cheese on the Saturdays and Sundays of Lent. Several canons seemed aimed at provoking the hostility of Rome. While the Orthodox Church accepts the Quinisex Council as legit, Western churches never accepted it as authoritative or in any sense ecumenical. I mean, how could it when no Western bishops were in attendance? Oh yes, there was a supposed papal legate there, at least the record marks him so, but Rome says that no such person ever existed. It seems the council made him up to make it look like the Pope's authority was being included. The Venerable Bede called the Quinisex Council the Reprobate Synod. The Pope at the time of the council was Sergius I. He refused to endorse the canons, and so he was ordered arrested by the emperor and carried to Constantinople. But the city of Ravenna's militia thwarted the troops that were attempted to seize him there. Ah, isn't all this just lovely? Isn't it wonderful hearing about how loving and humble church leaders were? 
This is what happens when church and state become aligned under the rule of frail, fallible human beings. This is what happens when those in authority fail to abide under it. One of the most important products of the Quinisex Council was the official establishment of what's called the Pentarchy. Pentarchy was originally articulated in legislation that had been laid out by the Emperor Justinian in the mid-6th century, then was included in the canon law of this council, which ranked the ecclesiastical sees of Rome, Constantinople, Alexandria, Antioch, and Jerusalem in order of authority and preeminence in that order. Justinian linked the administrative authority of the church to that of the state. Rome was regarded as the first among equals, but by the time of the Quinisex Council, Constantinople was regarded as a new Rome that had achieved parity with the old Rome in terms of ecclesiastical weight. At least the Eastern bishops thought so. Rome in the West, well, not so much. And so they rejected this council outright. While Pentarchy was a technical reality due to Justinian's legislation, it really had little weight in determining anything other than becoming one more point for the East and West to argue over. And that brings us to the Seventh Ecumenical Council, the Second Council at Nicaea in 787. In a word, this council met not to deal with the Nicene Creed, but to deal with the issue of icons. And since we dealt with the iconoclast controversy in Season 1, we're going to summarize here. The veneration of icons had been banned by the Byzantine Emperor Constantine V. His actions were endorsed by the Council of Hyria in 754. Now, you know how people are. Whatever the ruler says, they all happily comply with, right? And especially when it comes to religious sensitivities and issues of conscience. Yeah, not so much. The iconoduels, that is the supporters of icons, rallied and staged a protest that was nothing if not vehement. But the emperor stuck to his guns and kept the iconoclast policy in place. He vigorously enforced the ban and persecuted violators. His son, Leo IV, continued his policy, but he died while still young, leaving his widow, Irene of Athens, to act as regent. She began a slow restoration of the veneration of icons. In 784, the imperial secretary Terrarius was appointed as the successor of Constantinople's patriarch Paul IV. Not wanting to take charge of a fragmented church, he consented to become patriarch on the condition that icons could once again be venerated. But since a council claiming to be ecumenical had abolished icons, well, another council would be necessary to reallow them. To make this council genuinely ecumenical, the Eastern Church realized it had to include the Western Church, and so invited Pope Adrian I to participate, and he accepted. But he showed his authorization of the council not by attending personally. That simply was something that popes didn't do. Rather, they sent their representative legates who attended this council. It met in the Church of the Holy Apostles in Constantinople in 786. When iconoclast elements of the military sought to break up the council, well, the government devised a way to get rid of them. They mocked up a bogus campaign, sent the troops off to go deal with it. Once they arrived at their destination, they were surrounded, disarmed, and disbanded. 
The council was once again summoned to me, but since the capital was still being torn by iconoclast factions, they chose to meet in nearby Nicaea. The council met for their first session on September 24th of 787 with 350 bishops plus their attendants. Patriarch Terrarius presided over what ended up being seven sessions that lasted through October. The main work of the council was to reinstall the veneration of icons in the worship of the church, and both the Eastern and Western churches endorsed the findings of this council. It would be the last time that they agreed on just about anything. Peace. 